good to be home with my church family. It's been a, been a little while, folks, but um, we've, had a, we've had a great time. I'll just fill you in on a few things that's been happening in our lives um, since I guess I last spoke to you, uh, and, and that is, uh, as many of you will be aware, um, I resigned from the position of assistant pastor here at the turn of the year, and um, we were off to Texas to uh, see to, for the birth of a grandchild and catch up with our family over there in the States. So uh, what, what I'm doing now is I've joined um, the same organisation that my wife Jenny is a counsellor in, Strength to Strength, um, as, a, uh, as a personal and business coach. Um, Strength to Strength is an organisation, it's a Christian organisation, and uh, their aim, their mission statement is to help people succeed in life, in work and relationships, and see the church be a positive influence in the community. So uh, that's what I'm doing, um, and I've got a few little slides about our trip to America because I believe that the Lord's sort of saying to us this morning, family. There's a sort of a theme coming through around our family. So this was a big family trip for us, and it was a bit of a mission um, in, many, in many ways with our kids. And uh, that is in San Antonio, where we spent most of our time. Um, and that is the Alamo. Who's heard of the Alamo? Who knows the story of the Alamo? Okay, it's a great story of defeat against incredible odds, but victory in terms of um, keeping Texas as part of America um, from what was then Mexico. And the Alamo was a terrible defeat, but it, it actually is a mission, a mission station. And I want to tie in the... Um, the theme of missions that we're on and the mission that we have individually, particularly perhaps to our families, the extended families and the people we know. And as I was thinking over this, this theme, I've got a title, Mission Impossible. <laughs> mission Impossible? Question mark. And if we we'll just run through the slides, that's the Alamo, the outside of the Alamo, and we'll move on to the next one. Uh, and that's my, that's my mate, Davy Crockett. Now, he's rather special to me because I had a Davy Crockett hat. Jenny actually wanted me to buy one and wear it this morning. And, hey, I couldn't quite handle it. I just looked at it in the mirror. I thought, no, it's not really me, not anymore. But when I was six, he was my hero. Davy Crockett was my hero. I remember, I think there was a TV program on about him, and I had a Davy Crockett hat for my sixth birthday, and um, I put a, a picture on Facebook, actually, of this, and, and my, uh, my nephew, who actually is only 18 months younger than myself in the UK, said, I remember that hat. So that's Davy Crockett, and we'll move on. Uh, that's my um, granddaughter, Kira, and that's up in Michigan, where my son lives with his family, and uh, I hadn't seen her for six years, so that was a real special time for us. 
uh, as I went up there and spent some time. Now that, that, those are pork ribs. And Texas is famous for pork ribs. And we'll come to that later. And the next one? Um, and that's what we were there for. That's little William um, with, uh, with Courtney and Jenny and myself. And uh, he's rather special. That's him today. So he's grown up a little bit since he's been born. So we had a really special time. And I guess it was, a, for me, it was um, kind of surreal because, as many of you know, the last time I was in Texas um, was for, with my, my other daughter's accident. Um, and I spent five weeks in, in Lubbock in Texas. Now, this was a, a time of celebration rather than disaster. And it's kind of surreal in many, in many respects. But I want us to look at what we carry in our mission this morning. And it is a mission that is impossible in our own strength. To carry the gospel is not something we can do by ourselves. The gospel is a gospel of grace. I want to look at Ephesians 2. 8 through 10. It's a very well-known scripture. might be familiar to many of you. And I want us to just read it together. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. But we are God's handiwork. And this is key. We are created in Christ Jesus to do Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You notice in the theme of this verse, it is all about what God has done with his grace. We've been saved by grace through faith. The part we play is to have faith in Christ. Not to do anything, but to have faith and to believe in him. And this is not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Even that is a gift from him to us. Not by works, not by doing religious stuff, not by going out and doing, although we're called to do that, not by doing those things, that doesn't save us. It's all a gift. Let's just pray for a moment and, and, and ask the Lord just to put this in our hearts in a very real way. Father, I just want to pray about this verse because it is so key. These few verses are so key in our lives. Lord, if we can understand that we are just a conduit, we're, we are just a vessel for your grace. And Lord, you want to bless us beyond our wildest imagination. And Lord, each one of us can stand here and say, our sins are many. We have failed so often. Some of us have failed with our families and our children. 
and have been misguided. Perhaps sin as we have brought them up. And we, we see the fruit of that. But Lord, you are a God of redemption. Lord, you want to redeem each of your children. And you want to redeem our children and their children. So Lord, we just come to you and pray that you would bring by your spirit a revelation, a fresh revelation of your wonderful grace. In Jesus' name. In Ephesians, Paul talks about how we are predestined and we are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That's quite a hard one to get our heads around sometimes. But once we've got that truth in our hearts, life becomes a lot lighter and a lot easier. Because he knows our way. He knows our past, he knows our present, he knows our future. And he has us in our hands. And what we're facing today, whatever it might be, he knows. And many suffer with anxiety and pain and frustration because the faith factor is not engaged with grace. Where we miss, we get that sin blockage. I was thinking about this and an illustration came to mind of our experience when we were living in the Bonevale Valley. We were at the top of the valley, it's a long road in Kashmir and we were at the top of the valley by the park and after the earthquake, got pretty shaken up down there, but the, the water supply the pipe that just went up the road was constantly breaking. It was constantly fractures. You'd suddenly see this water bubbling up through the tarmac of the road, breaking through. And the council would come and they'd fix it. One of the neighbours would ring. And obviously your water would be off for a couple of hours while they did it. Sometimes off all night if it was a big one. And they'd be working all night. And it was constant. It went on, I think we were there for about three or four years afterwards. And it went on all of that time. It was constant. There was an old pipe there. And it had been fractured in various places. One part would be fixed, they'd replace it. And then another one would go. Because it was constantly weak. But all the time, even though when it was fractured and there was water bubbling up, we'd still be getting water through our taps until they came and fixed it. And grace is constantly there for each one of us. Just like that water supply was constantly there for all of the, the whole valley. But every now and again it would be stopped to be fixed. There'd be a hold-up. And it can sometimes feel in our lives when we hit a problem or a torment or a difficulty or a challenge to those that are close to us, for ourselves, 
that there's a, a sort of a blockage, that it stops. But maybe God's just after our attention so it gets fixed. Because the grace doesn't stop, the water supply is there. The only issue is it's an old broken pipe. Ever feel like an old broken pipe, some of you? Or a young one, maybe? You just broke, you've been cracked, you've got your faults, you've got your failings, you know all about those, and you think, well, I can't, I can't, I can't represent God. I, there isn't enough grace for this, but the water keeps pouring out. The grace is still there. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't dry up. It just keeps flowing. There's something that really hit me. We had the privilege while we were in San Antonio to going to the church of, um, some of you may have heard of him, uh, Max Licado, who's a famous author um, and written some absolutely wonderful books and several of them are on, on the subject of grace. His whole emphasis in his ministry, quite frankly, is grace. Wherever you read him, you'll find grace. And he says, grace is the voice that calls us to change, then gives us the power to pull it off. Grace is the voice that calls us to change, then gives us the power to pull it off. Deeply flowing grace clarifies who you really are. And it's there for every one of us. It's free it's the unconditional favour of God for each one of us and it's the gift we have in Christ in his blood given to each one of us deeply flowing grace can only truly flow when we are dependent on Christ and all that he has done and, in, and is doing in our lives. He cares about every single little thing. What you're facing, all of it, we need to include him. Lord, we include you in this decision. And if it doesn't go our way, we trust you. Deeply flowing grace clarifies who you are. And it's there to get a hold of. I want us to look at a story that's in the Gospels. And it's a well-known story. It's in Mark 5. And we'll read it to get, we'll just read through it. Jesus was in the mid middle of his ministry and they went across the lake to the region of the Gazarenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran, fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want, me, want, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came, Jesus said <coughs> to Jesus, they saw the man who was possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their, re their region. And as Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell, the, tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So we have this man in agony, in torment, self-harming, in chains that he was able to break. And Jesus and his disciples come to the shore and he comes yelling out, screaming. And the disciples, oh, let's go. What are we doing here? We've landed in the wrong place. It's a graveyard, not the place to be. But Jesus moved. He wasn't afraid. He moved straight for him. And we see the story of what happened to him. And it was quite revolutionary for those parts. They'd not seen anything like it. Totally new. And you can imagine the headlines in the local paper. Well-known tormented man is set free and 2,000 pigs run into the sea. <laughs> and it's a sort of a strange situation that we find it, that we find we find here because and I've often scratched my head and thought, why did they come and beg Jesus to go away? Please leave this place. They were afraid. And they didn't want to face it. Rather than thank him, they dismissed him. Why prefer pigs 
and lunatics to the presence of God and freedom. Was it the loss of the pigs? No more pork ribs? I kind of, having a bit of an addiction to Texas pork ribs, I kind of yeah, got some empathy with them. Why prefer? Why does somebody prefer drunken misery over sobriety? Why would a church prefer slumber over revival or tradition over the living God? They're sort of questions that we can ask ourselves sometimes because, you know... As Richard was sharing the challenge that came to him when he was born again was a decision to follow Christ that would cost him everything. His whole life commitment. And some of us sort of try and keep everything balanced both ways. You know, there's me and there's a God spot on a Sunday morning. Maybe, and occasionally other times. And then there's all in for God. But sometimes there are costs and challenges as we seek to follow him. And here, these people just couldn't handle it. They were used to their lunatic. They were used to this guy and the pigs because I guess there were a few years' worth of spare ribs there that went into the sea. And for some of them, it was a livelihood. But there was a challenge to the status quo and a call to change. Because Jesus always brings a call to change. He never fails. It's a constant call. It's a constant challenge. And it's so much of it is within. And grace, some feel that, you know, the message of grace is a license to sin. And that's a nonsense. Because grace says no to ungodliness. It says so in Titus. And grace gives us the power. It's the water that flows and brings healing. Jesus talked to, when he talked to the woman at the well, the one that had been married five times. He said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of, living, rivers of living water. I will give you waters that will not run dry. And grace does not run dry. Hey, we might be cracked. We might leak. But the water keeps flowing. The grace keeps flowing. Amen? Have I got an amen here? Have I got a Texas Amen. <laughs> Ooh. Amen. Grace keeps flowing. Grace is flowing for you right where you are. What hindered these people? What's drove what they wanted Jesus to go because they were called to change and none of us like change. None of us like leaving the old familiar. 
We want to stay with what's comfortable. Yet our growth comes when we're prepared to look and say, I want that crack fixed. Lord, I need your grace to do that. I need your healing so your grace can flow better through me into the lives of my kids, into the lives of my grandkids, into the lives of my neighbours, into the lives that I want to reach with your love. I want to make a difference in my life. That is my call. I'd like us to get those last two verses up again, 18 and 20. We've got 18 there. If you can go back just a little bit more, thank you. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Go home to your own people and tell, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. You see, when Legion... And I presume he had another name, but we don't know it. We'll say his name's Jonathan, because it's better than Legion. Legion was about the demons that possessed him. We'll say his name was Jonathan. It's a little bit of license, I know. But Jesus said to Jonathan, now, I've got a plan, and you're part of the plan. You know, it was reasonable for Jonathan to want to go with Jesus. These people, his neighbours, his family, had chained him up. He'd been ostracised by them. He lived in the tombs. His whole life, perhaps, had been torment and agony. And everything that was around him was familiar and a reminder of that. But Jesus had a plan. And that plan was for an area of perhaps ten cities known as Decapolis. It was reasonable that Jonathan would go with Jesus. And he'd be discipled, maybe he'd get a Bible school and, um, and be trained and spend some time with Jesus and the other disciples and learn more and be ready for, for ministry in the future. But no, Jesus said to him, go, you can't come, I want you to just go to your people, to your people. We all have our people. We all have our circle of influence. And they know our hang-ups and they know our weaknesses and they know we've been a scumbag or they know, you know, we've been depressed or they know our weaknesses. 
But when grace starts flowing, those things get healed. When we, re- when we truly let Jesus, by the power of his spirit, flow with grace through our lives, those things get healed. As we spend time reading and meditating on the things of God, those things get healed. And those around us see the change that grace creates in our lives. And for this man, Jonathan, Jesus had a plan. And for you, Jesus has a plan. And for me, Jesus has a plan. And it's a plan of redemption for both you and others. Always. Always for you and others. That is our mission. That is the mission we're called to. And sometimes there's an incredible sacrifice. The Alamo that I referred to earlier, they were all 200-odd defender, defend, those that defended it were all slaughtered by the Mexican army of some 2,000. Totally and completely outnumbered. But they held the Mexicans up for a crucial period of time while other forces could be gathered to defeat them later. It was a sacrifice of the few that created freedom for the many. And sometimes there's a cost in following Jesus. And for this man, Legion, it says that he went, spoke about all that Jesus had done for him. It was just a testimony. And our testimony is that Jesus died on the cross for us and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It's very straightforward. He's forgiven our sins. He has set us free. He has given you peace where there has been torment. Romans 3, 24-25. I'd like to just read this through. I've, I've got it in the, here in, the, uh, in the, the NLT version. And I think we've got the other one up there. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he, has left the sin, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. In the NLT we read, God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood sacrificing his life for us. It's a very straightforward 
message of forgiveness. He has forgiven our sins. He has given us his grace. He has set us free. And that's all Jonathan could say. But they knew him. Just like your friends and your family know you. And they saw with their own eyes the change. You might not say, well, I'm, you know, not out of my mind. I'm not a lunatic. I'm not demon-possessed. But there are areas you know that you've struggled with. And Jesus has set you free or wants to set you free so that you can bring grace to all. That is his goal. That is his commitment to each one of us. Some have given up. It's too hard the pain, the rejection, and you're stuck in that place. God wants to set you free, just like he set Jonathan free from those things. Amen? Perhaps the musicians would like to come now. and I want us just to focus on, on what grace can do in our lives as it flows through us. It is so, so incredibly powerful. We talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We talk about the move of the Spirit. But what the Spirit does is he glorifies Jesus. He brings Jesus to us and Jesus is grace. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus came full of grace and truth in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit will show you and reveal grace. Maybe you've got areas of unforgiveness, areas of real challenge and rejection and pain. Jesus wants to set you free this morning and give you grace. Let grace flow through, through you. And um, I just want to give an opportunity. If, that's, if you want to respond this morning, maybe you've got those challenges with your family. And you want to be a fresh message of God's grace. And it can show up in just natural ways. But it can bring change. It can bring change. God wants to do stuff in you so that others might be blessed. Amen. Why don't you stand with us?